Hey everyone, I'm Michael John. Welcome to episode 4 of Dobbylicious Podcast, which is simply titled You're a Wizard, Harry, for obvious reasons. Chapter 4 gets off to a quick start, we're straight into the action. It starts with a bang, or, as the book says, more literally, a boom, as Hagrid smashes the door down, which I think represents how the magical world is sort of bursting into Harry's life despite the constraints of the Dursleys and their best efforts to keep it out. And I actually found Hagrid's entrance quite funny because he bursts in and he's so socially unaware of the fact he's petrified the Dursleys. He sort of breaks the, he breaks the door down and then paradoxically gives off these clear signs that he comes in peace by asking for a cup of tea, for example. And in the last episode, we talked about the social nuances of what making tea can mean. And then we're told Hagrid's eyes are crinkled into a smile so we know... You know, that seems non-threatening, and he tells Harry that Harry has his mother's eyes, which is the first time we hear that, I think. So Hagrid seems to be focusing solely on his own intentions, which are good, which means he's totally unaware of the fact that he's terrified the Dursleys, and probably Harry as well, to some extent. And I think this is a good example of what I was talking about in episode one, when I said Hagrid's character comes across as perpetually drunk. If Joe Rowling had said, Hagrid was drunk upon entering the hut, would you be surprised? Probably not. You'd probably be like, yeah, that sounds about right. Actually, Hagrid uh, smashing down the door reminded me of the bathroom doors of this nightclub that I worked at when I was about 18. And the owners of this nightclub must have really been working on a budget because the bathrooms had these toilet cubicles, but instead of the door opening outwards away from the toilet, they opened inwards into the cubicle. But the cubicles were too small for the door to actually open without banging into the toilet. So... So the door couldn't actually open properly. So their solution to this was, instead of maybe making the door open outwards, was to cut this massive toilet-shaped hole in the door. So that as you push the door open, it just sort of swung over the toilet. And then because the cubicle was so small, you had to step into one corner of the cubicle, pull the door closed, and the door would swing over the toilet, narrowly missing you. The door closes, and then there would just be a massive hole in the door anyway, so there wouldn't be any privacy. So, I mean, maybe it was fine if you were drunk and stumbling into the cubicle or something? I don't know. (laughs) So anyway, I think Hagrid's entrance really changes the dynamic for the reader, because we feel immediately like he's on Harry's side, which is a first, since previously we've only seen Harry being isolated and bullied either by Dudley in the Dursley house or at school. So Hagrid enters the hut and he withdraws an owl, a kettle, sausages, a cake, and all sorts of stuff. And in my mind, in this moment, he's like a kind of giant, unkempt Mary Poppins just pulling random objects out of his bottomless jacket pockets. And I thought that could be like if you wanted to have a Harry Potter-themed camping trip, this could be some sort of product marketed, like a Hagrid camping jacket for all your travel essentials or something. Sausages, pokers, teapots, everything you need, tents... Maybe the jacket itself is a tent, because it's so big. So Hagrid gives Harry a birthday cake, which is a short-lived moment, but in my mind, at least, it's a classic Harry Potter-related image. In the book, it says, Got summer for you here. I might have sat on it at some point, but it'll taste all right. From an inside pocket of his black overcoat, he pulled a slightly squashed box. Harry opened it with trembling fingers. Inside was a large, sticky chocolate cake with Happy Birthday Harry written on it in green icing. And I don't know about you, but even though in my mind this is a memorable moment in the book series, personally, my image of Harry's birthday cake is actually what it is in the film, because it's been so long since I read the book. So 
In my mind, it's sort of big with pink icing and green lettering, which has a lot of spelling mistakes. But actually, in the book, there's no pink icing and there are no spelling mistakes. So, fortunately, my girlfriend happens to be a very talented baker. So, I asked her if she wouldn't mind baking the cake as it would look like in the book. Luckily, she's very accepting of my Harry Potter geekiness, and in case you're interested, that is posted on the social media profiles. It's actually, uh, she made a traditional Swedish chocolate kladkakan, which is uh, very tasty, I can tell you from first-hand experience. So then Harry asks who Hagrid is, and he introduces himself as Rubius Hagrid, Keeper of Keys at Hogwarts. And in an interview with Joe Rowling, she actually pronounces his name Rubeus Hagrid, which might be related to the fact that apparently his name is inspired by the colour red or the word red, probably. And I just remember after Hagrid bursting in, the image of him cooking sausages when we've been told how cold it is it was always very comforting. So then Hagrid realises he needs to communicate with Dumbledore to let him know that he's found Harry. So he pulls out a letter which he writes very simply... And even though he's communicating with Dumbledore, Hagrid writes very authentically, without trying to sound more clever than he is or be impressive to Dumbledore. He just says, given Harry's letter, I'm going to buy his stuff tomorrow, the weather's horrible, hope you're well, Hagrid. It's just simple, to the point, without trying to impress anyone. And I think Hagrid communicates with Harry and the other characters in the same way he would communicate with Dumbledore. Hagrid's just Hagrid all the time. And I think that's what a lot of people like about him. He's just authentic. You're never in doubt about what he's feeling, what he likes, what he doesn't like, what his opinion is on something. And interestingly, I watched a Netflix series called The Circle where contestants on the show can only meet each other through this social media platform. And the aim of the show is that they have to become the most popular person on the social media platform. And the guy who won was actually the person who was most authentic and didn't try to catfish anybody or pretend to be someone they're not or whatever. And I just thought that was interesting, and I was reminded of that by Hagrid's general authenticity and likability. So Hagrid soon finds out that Harry has no inkling of the magical world, or the fact that he has magical powers, and Hagrid's shocked. He gets really angry with the Dursleys and accuses Mr. Dursley of being the biggest muggle he's ever seen. And in that sentence, I think Hagrid uses the word muggle as an insult, but I wonder if Hagrid actually has anti-muggle sentiment, or if he's just using the term muggle to say that Vernon Dursley himself is anti-magic, rather than speaking down to him for being a non-magic person. Because Hagrid is supportive of Hermione when she's racially abused by Draco Malfoy in the Chamber of Secrets, so obviously Hagrid isn't just prejudiced against muggles or at least against muggle-borns, but he is clumsy in how he articulates his ideas. So in this moment of anger, he's expressed his ideas in a way in which, I think, stereotypes muggles, even though we know... He doesn't have anything against muggle-borns based on his actions in the books, like how he also comforts Hermione in The Prisoner of Azkaban when she's in an argument with Ron. And I thought this was a really important idea because now the idea of systemic racism in general was receiving more publicity than I can remember. So in terms of Hagrid, I thought this situation is an example of how systemic prejudice against muggles in the wizarding world probably influences how Hagrid talks to Vernon in a moment of anger, even though we know Hagrid is not prejudiced against muggles, or at least I think he isn't. So in a situation like that, even though we love Hagrid, it would probably be good if he reflected on whether some of his ideas or some of the ways he expresses his ideas are totally fair. In contrast to Hagrid, I think the Dursley's response towards Hagrid just indicates their flat-out prejudice against magical people. So, admittedly, the Dursley's are on the run, Hagrid's just smashed down the door of the hut they're staying in, 
But Hagrid gives off signs of coming in peace. He's asking for tea, he pulls out sausages, shakes Harry's hand, he pulls out a birthday cake. These are all signs of friendliness. And Vernon Dursley is just not having any of it. He just won't give in to the idea that Harry's wizarding roots are going to affect the Dursley's life. And even though Hagrid comes in peace, the Dursleys still have their preconceived ideas and they're not willing to accept the person who Hagrid is. It speaks to the character of the Dursleys that they have these ideas which are just set in stone despite what's presented to them. So I think that's a strong brand of prejudice, having a preconceived opinion of someone which doesn't change even when you get to know them or even when they're giving off different signals to what you might think. So I didn't pick up on this when I was an 11-year-old reading this book, but I think this chapter gives two examples of different types of prejudice. In, in one instance, we have Hagrid, who doesn't actively discriminate against non-magic characters in the books, but reveals that maybe he's been influenced or his language has been influenced by ideas of some stereotypes about muggles. Whereas in contrast, the Dursleys are just 100% prejudiced against magical people, irrespective of whether they're good people or bad people. So basically, they're racist. And when I first read the books, I'd say I didn't pick up on the theme of prejudice in this chapter, but reading it as an adult made me think of an interesting comment I heard from someone about what people can do on a practical level is to actually talk to other people who might have unwittingly adopted some backward ideas and try to help them see things from a different point of view. I thought that was interesting because racism is a very polarizing topic. So usually if I thought someone was racist, I'd want to spend less time with them. But perhaps then that keeps them from being exposed to different points of view and reflecting on our ideas. So given Hagrid's role in delivering Harry to the Dursley's house in chapter one, there's a poignance about Hagrid being the one to take Harry to Hogwarts. And obviously at the very end in book seven, he's the one who carries Harry back to Hogwarts. And when it's revealed that Harry doesn't know anything about his magical background, Hagrid's enraged and he explains Harry's situation to him. And I think the fact that Hagrid is the one to pick up Harry also means that Joe Rowling can put Harry's situation in simple terms. So that's useful because the readers are all children. Like I mentioned a few minutes ago, Hagrid's just going to be himself, he's authentic, he's just going to say it how it is in simple terms. So he's just like, Harry, you're famous, your parents are famous, you're a wizard, your parents are wizards. An evil wizard killed them, and it's a miracle that you survived. Also, you're going to Hogwarts. It's just, he lays it out very plainly, and explains it to an 11-year-old boy, and I wonder if some of the other characters in the book could have explained it to Harry in, in such a straightforward way, if they had been the ones to pick him up. So then, Hagrid's arguably most famous line, You're a wizard, Harry. And Harry's like, what? And I definitely think if Harry was older, maybe he'd be less likely to just believe it. But at this point, his mind is still open to lots of possibilities. And I think in this situation, Joe Rowling's really tapping into people's desire for escapism. Everyone has dreams and aspirations. And this new reality that Harry's exposed to is probably something which a lot of people wish could happen. Like, I wish, you know, Jurgen Klopp would call me up and say, look, we've had so many injury problems this season. I saw you playing football that one time you should come and join the team but unfortunately it's more likely that I'll go to Hogwarts than Jürgen Klopp's going to give me a phone call. So after telling Harry that he's a wizard Hagrid gives him his Hogwarts letter so we finally get to see what's in this letter. Harry has all sorts of questions one of which is pointed towards the Dursleys which is you knew I was a wizard all this time and you didn't tell me and this leads to Petunia's outburst where she calls her sister a freak and says she knew Harry would be just as abnormal. And you get the sense that Petunia's feelings about this are still so raw and undigested, 
Even though Petunia grew up with her sister being a witch, she had plenty of time to process this experience. And it even says in the book, quote, It seemed she had been wanting to say all this for years. So I did some background reading, and on the Wizarding World website, Joe Rowling wrote that Petunia had always felt bitter about the fact that her parents seemed to value Lily more than her. And when she meets Vernon, she loves the fact that Vernon is so normal, and he hated anything abnormal, even down to some the fact that some people wear brown shoes with black suits. And I know this is a fictional relationship, but it's interesting to think that she could have felt underappreciated by her parents who valued someone who wasn't quote-unquote normal. So as a defense mechanism, she gravitated towards someone who values normality in her search to be valued by someone. And Joe Rowling also wrote that Petunia's feelings of jealousy and bitterness bury her guilt of cutting Lily out of her life. I think this is a really important point because we find out later in the books that Petunia actually had written to Dumbledore asking if she could go to Hogwarts and she got turned down. So obviously her hatred and prejudice towards the magical community is not actually because she doesn't like them, since she wanted to be one of them. It's just because she was emotionally hurt and she's never been able to process that and get over that. I've often thought that self-awareness and understanding yourself is the key to being able to manage your emotions and not be controlled by them like Petunia is here. And I was trying to think of an example of how being self-aware had helped me in a positive way. And the first example I could think of was actually my first date with my girlfriend. So we'd gone out in Stockholm, which is a lovely city, and we were just walking through the city centre at the end of our date. And I'd had a lovely time, so I was hoping that she'd also enjoyed herself. And then the thought crossed my mind that perhaps I should kiss her, but it didn't really seem like the right moment. So I thought, okay, if it doesn't feel like the right moment, then why do I want to kiss her? And I realized that I was feeling a bit insecure about whether or not she had enjoyed the date as much as me. So if I kissed her and she kissed me back, it would make me feel secure that she liked me. And because I was aware of the fact that I felt insecure, I was able to make the choice to wait for the right moment to present itself for our first kiss, rather than acting on an insecurity. And sure enough, the next day we met up again and the right moment did present itself, so I'm really glad I was self-aware enough on our first date not to let an insecurity in myself dictate my actions, but rather I was able to just kind of go with the flow. So that might seem like a small situation, but obviously... When you're on a first date, I suppose the first kiss does feel like an important moment. So moving back to this chapter and thinking about how self-awareness or emotional intelligence would relate to the themes that come up here. Since prejudice is a theme which has come up in this chapter, it makes me wonder how many prejudiced people actually are like that or just have emotional problems that they can't process, which makes them project their bitterness onto other people. So the chapter ends with... Um, Uncle Vernon shouting that he won't pay for Harry to go to Hogwarts and he calls Dumbledore a crackpot old fool. And Hagrid reacts by yelling, Never insult Albus Dumbledore in front of me. This actually reminded me of the uh, the Dumbledore-ish figure in my life, Robert, who I mentioned in episode one, because a lot of his students really admired him and were very loyal to him. And I remember after he passed away, speaking to another student of his about this meeting that we'd had and um, I can't remember what I said, but she replied by saying, We're Robert's army! And obviously in book five, Harry is the leader of Dumbledore's army. And anyway, it was just one of those uh, parallels between Robert and, and Dumbledore. So Hagrid tries to turn Dudley into a pig, but he ends up only giving him a pig's tail. But even so, it's still a dramatic moment. And there's a line which reads that Uncle Vernon feared, quote, 
being speared by a pink umbrella belonging to a bearded giant. I'm sure no one was expecting to read that when they started this chapter. Another good reason for Hagrid to be the one to pick up Harry is that we obviously know, we obviously find out later that Hagrid gets expelled from Hogwarts. His magical skills are not as great as the other characters who who have completed their magical education. So the fact that Hagrid is the one to come and pick up Harry and we as the reader don't know anything about magic at this point makes Hagrid's magic seem all the more impressive. So Hagrid kind of gets his moment of glory in the reader's eyes for doing this spell and creating this memorable moment where, you know, Dudley gets a pig's tail and it, it seems really impressive, whereas we find out obviously later about much more complex magic that the characters are trying to carry out. So, But at least this, this situation gives Hagrid a, a time to shine or at least make us laugh. So of course then Hagrid asks Harry not to mention that he's used magic because he's not supposed to, and when Harry asks why, Hagrid says that he was expelled from Hogwarts before quickly changing the subject. And that's obviously a, a plug-in by Joe Rowling because we find out all the way forward in book two why Hagrid was actually expelled. So that brings us to the end of episode four of Dobbylicious Podcast. I hope you guys have enjoyed listening. And until next time, have a Dobbylicious week.